With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of MGN Podcast. My name is Tosi Ufadike and I am your host. Today is Friday, yay, February 22nd, and I'm super excited because we're talking about a topic that has been in the news and is actually one that I love, immigration, yay. For those of you who are not familiar with MGM Podcast, our podcast has been on for several years. We interview celebrities, business owners, everyday women and men that are doing great things. And I'm excited because today's guest, we have attorney Ify Odunukwe, and she's going to be talking about immigration and answering all our questions. But before we get into that, I did want to say make sure, drum roll, the ninth Dare to Aspire conference is in the ATL, Saturday, June 15th. Make sure we had so many people, if you follow us on Instagram, so many people have registered for the conference. And, you know, this year's theme is Level Up. And we're all about trying to take our businesses to the next level. So you have to get your tickets. Early bird um, tickets end February 28th. So get your tickets, and we'll see you in Atlanta. Okay, so without further ado, let me introduce our guest. So Attorney Ifi Odunukwe is an immigration and family law attorney practicing in Dallas, Texas. She is passionate about affordable access to justice for her clients. She loves to travel and loves learning about different cultures. She is a woman in business and an entrepreneur, and her website is www.attorneyify.com. So let's give her our MGN podcast. Loving welcome to Attorney Ify Okay, let me connect her. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fabulous. Thank you for coming on the show. I tell you, I'm super excited to talk about immigration. So let's get started. Why don't you, for everybody out there who has no idea what it takes to be an attorney, a lawyer, talk about how many years of schooling you did and where you went to. Okay. So first I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be on MGN. And... um also, for thank you for listening as well. Um, as far as your question as how long it takes to be an attorney, so it takes seven years in the United States. There's four years of undergraduate study and three years of law school. Um, I actually went to undergrad at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and I studied international studies in Spanish. 
And then I went to law school in Washington, D.C. at American University Washington College of Law. And I did my legal master's in Madrid um, studying European Union law at Universidad Carlos III de Madrid. And um, that was all about, that was about seven, eight years of studies to become an attorney. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, and you spoke Spanish fluently. I'm like, wow, that is so impressive. If you, and for those of y'all who so don't much. know, in spirit, yeah, in spirit of transparency, Ify is my darling cousin. And, you know, one of the things that I want to say, Ify, is a lot of people, when they hear how much, you know, schooling it takes to be an attorney, they might say, wow, that's a lot. But, you know, what made you stick with it, and what made you even become an attorney or want to become an attorney? Okay, so um, I like how you said the spirit of transparency because I'll be transparent. I actually did not want to be an attorney. Um, my mom, <gasps> oh, I okay. yeah, so I told her um, that I wanted to be paid to travel, and um, as a Nigerian parent, she said, great, go to law school. And so that's what I did, and I went to American University because – they're actually known for international law. And I did get a lot of traveling opportunities while at American University, um, but I quickly learned that international law was not what I expected. Um, though I did have, like I said, international experiences at Washington College of Law. And um, I will say I love my career. I think it's definitely worth it. Being a lawyer is very diverse. There's many different types of law for many different personalities. There's, you know, if you like talking and there's litigation, if you like more of the transactional writing, researching. So um, it's a very diverse career path, and I think every lawyer can attest to the fact that law school changes the way you think, and it's something that if you're interested in, you should definitely go for. Wow, excellent answer. Now, tell us, because, you know, Every immigration has been in the news, like for the, since you know Donald Trump became president. What is immigration law? Just as simple as you can explain, what is immigration law? So immigration law is um, it's very diverse. So it's basically um, so where do I start? Because immigration law, there's so many different ways to describe it, but I'll start with how to people immigrating to the United States. So um, you can immigrate through family, through employment, or if you're seeking asylum, for example, or as a refugee. So it's just a process um, to remain in the United States, I would say, for someone who is not born here or does not have citizenship through family or, the, or basically finding a right to stay. Wow, excellent. Now, you said speaking asylum or refugee, and I know – we hear those terms a lot, but can you just in simple terms, what does it mean when somebody is seeking asylum, and then what does it mean to be a refugee? Okay, so um, a lot of people don't know the difference between refugee and asylee, and so I'll explain that. A refugee um, receives permission to come to the U.S. from outside of the country, whereas an asylee is someone who is already in the United States when um, applying for protection. And then I'll go into what the difference is um, as well, or, or what the, the similarity is, I should say. So refugees and asylees are basically leaving their countries of origin because of war 
or fear of being killed or hurt because of one of the protected categories. And the protected categories are nationality, race, religion, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. Excellent. Wow, that broke it down. Because, you know, even me, and I'm educated, I hear those terms, and I'm like, what does that mean? So I think you broke it down very well. Now, let us jump into this whole build-a-wall immigration. Okay, your practice is in Dallas, Texas, okay? And we were in Dallas, Texas last week. Okay, a lot of people say, you know, this immigration thing is just too much, you know, Mexicans are crossing the border, and, you know, the caravan is coming. Our president said the caravan is coming. Talk to us from your perspective. Do you think the U.S., and we'll just focus on the United States of America, has an immigration problem? Yes, I do think the United States has an immigration problem. Um, When I say an immigration problem, I don't think the problem is the southern border. Um, I think the problem is the people that are already in the United States and how backlogged and broken our immigration system is, is very outdated. So I think we need to fix the problem inside um, more so than trying to fix keeping people from coming in because we're going to continue having the problem because people are going to continue coming. And I think the um, the media focuses mostly on the southern border, but you know there's also that issue at the Canadian border as well. And um, there's no talk of building a wall at the Canadian border. You know, and that's an excellent point because a lot of people, I was reading, it was some article, and they said so many people that come to America don't want to leave. And so you have all these people with expired visas that are overstaying and do not want to leave America. And, you know, I think that is also a problem, you know, the overstaying of your visa. Do you know how, what are some ways that we can, or if you have any thoughts on how immigration can help with that? Okay. Um, so I think with overstaying your your visa, and I think that just really depends on the situation because there's many situations where people, you know, they make it very hard and it's a very long process. You may have someone that filed for you, but for some reason it didn't go through. It didn't happen because um, maybe an attorney may have messed you up or you didn't fill out the paperwork correctly, and um, the law has changed and you've already established yourself and your family here. So there's many different situations that could happen. There's some that are more egregious than others. and then, But I think the bigger issue is people like the Dreamers who, um, for example, were brought here when they were like one or two years old or have lived there here their entire lives, and there's really no path to immigration um, for them, and they don't really identify with their home country. Um, I'll say Mexico just for um, an example, but there's a dream everywhere um, where their parents or someone may have brought them here when they were really young, but they have no remedy or way to work legally or live legally in the United States. Um, and so for people like that, I think especially – we need kind of solutions, and then we can fix the problem of entering or people staying past the time that uh, they were allotted in their visas. Wow. that is, You know, the dreamers, we hear so much about the dreamers, and there's some people who are like, they need to go, you know, but then you made an excellent point. 
These people have been there since they were one or two. They don't identify, and again, we're just using Mexico. They don't identify with Mexico. They identify with America. So we have to come up with a solution. Now, I think every country needs some form you know, people just can't go inside and outside of a country, you know, whether it's a mm-hmm. wall or something, you know. And I wanted to know from you, what are some paths to citizenship that people can take legally without climbing over a wall, you know? What are some paths to – and without – a lot of people also say, is he – Oh, I'll just marry this American girl and get my papers. You know, that's that's another big mm-hmm. one. But give people some other. What are some paths to legal to legal citizenship? Okay, so there are a ton of paths to citizenship. Um, but I think we should mention before you can become a citizen, you have to have a green card, and you have meaning you have to be a legal permanent resident. So let's talk about the ways to get um, to become a legal permanent resident, and then we can talk about ways to become a citizen. So to become a permanent resident, um, you can do so through family, and that's by filing an I-130, family sponsorship. There's also employment sponsorship. Um, There's also, we spoke about asylees and refugees and fleeing persecution. There's something called the diversity visa lottery. There's special immigrant status, which is um, if you're a widow or a child who was abandoned or neglected or abused by one or Um, both of their parents there's human trafficking visa crime victims and abuse so there's many different ways um and it will be a lot to go into all of them but i do oh sorry um i do want to say something about employment sponsorship because i feel like it's a common misconception that um immigrants are taking um, jobs from americans but in order to get sponsorship through employment, you have to show that there is um, not an American worker who is available and willing to take the job, and the employers actually have to interview and post the job as well in order to um, you know what? go that process. You know what? I'm glad you said that because I'll tell you, again, I lived in the South for a lot of years and up north. Let me tell you what people say. We don't want immigrants in the United States because they're going to take all the jobs, you know, away from our kids when they graduate. They're very strong in math and science, and our kids aren't as strong in math and science, and we're worried that they're not going to be able to compete and they're going to take our jobs. So you're saying that's actually a misconception. Um, Employers have to actually look and hire Americans to do the work first. Exactly, and only when they cannot find an American worker can they hire um, an immigrant to take the job. So it's usually, and the reason like science, like the STEM area, science, technology, math, all those area, engineering, um, is because we have a shortage, so we actually need it, and it's actually helpful for our economy. And then also a lot of unskilled workers um, need jobs too, but there's not as many paths to green card or sponsorship, employment sponsorship with um, unskilled workers. Wow. We are chatting live with attorney Ify Odunokwe, and she is breaking it down. If you've been wondering, how can I get to the U.S. or any other country for that matter legally? Now, Ify, before I jump into my other questions, because time is flying, we have like 10 more minutes, talk about what what um what it costs 
a lot of people say, hey, my mother has been here. I want to, or my wife is, you know, coming from Russia. I want to help her. What general ballpark, what does it cost once you have your green card and you're trying to get your citizenship? What is the financial cost? Okay. So for if you have your green card and you want to become, you want to be a naturalized U.S. citizen, it is $725, um, and 85 of that goes towards biometrics, which is just fingerprinting, basically. You know, people always think it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. You said 700 less, and again, I'm not trying to, $800 is a, you know, is a lot of money, um, you know, for certain people and, you know, their jobs and everything, but it's not thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That, and, Yeah. Go ahead, please. You're going to say something. Oh, oh, so no, sorry. I was just going to say um, the it's a thousand two hundred twenty-five dollars, for example, for like a family adjustment of status, um, if for filing for family. So it just depends on what process. But for naturalization, the filing fee is six hundred and forty, and then eighty-five for biometrics, which comes to a total of seven twenty-five, and it will save you a lot naturalizing if you're a permanent resident and you're eligible to naturalize. So I think it's definitely worth it. It's definitely working. So come in legally, people. Don't do illegal immigration. I'm so against that. Everybody should come to America legally. Now, with that said, you can help them. You can help them. So, Ify, say exactly what your small business does and how people can get a hold of you. Okay, so um, I practice family and immigration law in Dallas, Texas. Uh, immigration is federal, so I can actually take cases from anywhere in, in the United States. Um, to get a hold of us, you can Google Law Office of Ethi Adenukwe. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Attorney IFY. And on Facebook, I believe it's Attorney IFY on Facebook as well. And um, on the website, there's a contact form that you can set um, in a consultation request, and you can also email info at attorneyify.com. Excellent. Okay, I wanted to get that in there before, because a lot of times we talk and run out of time. So let's jump back into the questions. We are chatting live okay. with Ify. She's an attorney. What is a sanctuary city? I hear that a lot. And are they needed? Okay. Um, sanctuary city. So a sanctuary city is actually a term of art um, that was created by the news media. And basically what it means is that the federal government cannot force state and local governments to execute ICE detainers. And I'll go into what an ICE detainer is. It's basically a request um, from the federal government to state and local governments to hold people until ICE can go and pick them up and they have 48 hours to do so. So a lot of people confuse sanctuary with local and city, sorry, city and local governments being obstructionists in ICE's efforts to exercise their detainers. And when I say a detainer, it's for example, if you get arrested um, for whatever reason, when you're done with the criminal process, if you're um, either, if you're a non-citizen, then a lot of times they will put an ICE detainer on you, meaning when you're done with the criminal process, we're going to send you over to ICE so you can face immigration consequences. So um, as I was saying, a lot of people confuse sanctuary cities with um, 
them being obstructionists in ICE's efforts. But I believe that's a misconception because basically sanctuary cities are saying that we're not going to go above and beyond when the government gives us the request because it's only a request. And I believe it's the 10th Amendment, um, which is a commandeering amendment, which basically says that federal government cannot force state and local governments to do their jobs. Um, some, And then on the other side of that, there's some state and local governments that actually do more to help. Um, for example, like Arizona and then this law in Texas called SB4. So it's very litigated. Um, it's a very litigated issue, and I think the real issue is whether state and local governments are overstepping their authority and doing more than what is required against immigrants, more so than um, whether it's necessary or needed. But um, there are sanctuary cities are – I don't really have a, an, a, a huge opinion on sanctuary cities, but I, I do think that um, – you know, they're just, they're doing with what's within their rights to do. What's within their rights to do. Now, we can't yes. leave without talking about, we cannot leave without talking about what everybody's been talking about in the news media, especially with the U.S. election coming up in 2020. There was an issue where, um, again, the Mexican border, the whole Build-A-Wall, where it was assumed or that families were being, children were being separated from the from their families and held without their will. And, you know, with so much stuff in the media, we don't know what's real and what's fake. As an immigration attorney, can you validate that that was actually happening? Or was that just the media trying to spin, you know, a tale on immigration to keep illegals in the United States of America? So I think it's a little bit of um, the media and then an actual issue that was happening. So the media exaggerated the issue. Um, and what it is is um, it was undocumented immigrants who had entered before. Um, it then becomes a criminal matter when you are deported or you're caught at the border a, a few times. So they were allowed to separate the parents from the children at that point. And yes, it is true that there was family separation, but I think the media exaggerated in some ways by, um, it was a lot of the children were with family members or, um, you know, they knew where they were, but in some cases where there wasn't family members to take the children, parents were separated from their um, children and children were held in essentially prisons and with people without background checks. Because, um, you know, working with children is something that you need, like, an extensive background check for. So there was a lot of, like, things yeah. that went on um, that were – that are issues and that are still issues. But, yeah, so to answer your question, um, yeah, the it's true, but the media definitely exaggerated it. And, you know, as an immigration attorney, I know you, you probably are oh, – you know, just seeing so much. And I always say, again, if if somebody wants to come to the USA, there's so many ways you can come. You've listed it. Human trafficking. I didn't even know there was a human trafficking way you can come to America. I mean, you've listed them. And then when they come and they're legal and then they get, you know, thrown in a cage or whatever, it's like people get upset, but – you can't, nobody can come into a country 
illegally and expect to be just open, you know, the doors open. Um, So with that being said, what advice, if you have any, for somebody who's listening out there, who's, you know, maybe thinking I want to come to America or I'm in America and I've overstayed, I don't know what to do, what advice can you give him or her when they have overstayed and they're kind of scared, they don't know what to do? Okay. Um, I would say definitely get legal help. Talk to an attorney um, about what you're eligible for because immigration is so complex and nuanced that you, um, you, if you have, you know, certain family members that can file for you, certain employers, um, you may be eligible for waivers. So I would say definitely get some advice. Have sit down with someone, give them the details of your case, and see what you're eligible for, and if you can, you know, basically fix your status. And fix your status. You heard it from um, the attorney. Get, do not hide. You will be found. Ice. And speaking of ice. Could you just quickly tell us what ICE, what it stands for, just really quickly, and what they do? Okay, so ICE is Immigration um, Customs Enforcement, and they're basically the uh, the 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 force that's tasked with enforcing and investigating um, immigration in the United States. So there's also there's different uh, agencies in ICE. And one is, like, more of a national security, and then other things are, like, overstay and investigating um, illegal entries, overstays, and things like that. Now, why do you think – you made a good point, Ify, and while wow, we can talk about this for hours. We have, like, three minutes left. Again, we're chatting with Ify Odunque. She's an attorney out of the Dallas, Texas area. Why do you think Mexico and the southern border is being targeted? Because, like you said, they're immigrants from Europe, from Africa, from Canada. Why do you think Mexico is being targeted so much? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the media and some of the uh, the discussion around, like, misconceptions and things that, like, um, President Trump has said that they're criminals, coming murderers and things like that. And so yeah. I think people are, people are scared um, because of mm. what's the – because of the talk – and things like that. But I'm not sure. I also think it could be a little bit of racism um, just because, you know, like you said, there are European overstays, there are Canadian overstays, there are Chilean overstays, um, but a lot of people focus on Mexico. (laughs) Build that wall. Yes. No. But let me ask you something. (laughs) My last question. Yes. I just want to say I don't agree with that. Oh, okay. So you're not for the wall. Okay. That's, I'm that's, not for the wall. Okay, that was no. my question. That was my last question. Build the wall, yes or no? No. <laughs> well, you heard it here. Well, it, you know, this has been so much fun. <laughs> this Thank has you been so much. So much fun. Yes, you We have two minutes left. Two minutes left in the show again. This has been amazing. This is recorded, so people, if you're listening, you want to share it, we'll send out the link. Ify, thank you so much for all your information about immigration. Let's see how it pans out. Thank you so much for your time. Ify, please tell people how they can contact you one more time. 
Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a lot of fun, and hopefully it was informative. Um, I can be contacted on Facebook at Attorney Efi, on Instagram at Attorney Efi, and also on Twitter at Attorney Efi, um, and by email at info at attorneyify.com. Yay, thank you, and congratulations. She's getting married in a couple of months, so yay, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Well, this has been another episode of our amazing podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Each week we come with some amazing information that is great for you. Make sure you share it, follow us at Dare to Aspire, as well as at My Good Nanny. So thank you so much, and have a happy Friday. Happy Friday. Have a happy weekend. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.